0: In a world where boredom runs rampant One podcast and website To bring the tired masses back from the brink of insanity CannedAirPodcast.com At CannedAirPodcast.com Read up on old topics Listen to past episodes Watch movie trailers Read up on the gang And new movies and video game store cannedairpodcast.com Coming this Sunday,
1: Thursday Hey, greetings, good groovers Here's people, 14 viewers out there in the darkness. Welcome to Canned Air One of the greatest shows you'll ever hear Uh, Right now, let's uh, meet our host and find out what's happening tonight
2: And welcome back to a the second part of our very special episode of Canned Air, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Collie.
0: My name's Jack Doherty and I like to party. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know what to say after that, Jack. Well you can't I, say you like to party. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Jeff Holcomb and I uh, I got nothing.
2: He's got nothing. <laughs> This week we are continuing the second part of our interview with Fritz the Night Owl of Night Owl Theater and uh, the producer and director, Mike McGrainer. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoyed the first half and have looked up Fritz and
0: his work online. uh, So you get a little more familiar with it. Yeah. You'll be a little more familiar with the, the rest of the, the uh, episode.
2: Yeah, what's already out there, what's coming. Also on YouTube, there were some little clips of uh, his early days, too.
0: There's a, Yeah, there's a few small clips. A lot of it is, I want to say it's the same article about him. But there's yeah, there's a couple of his with the old show. Not a right. lot on there. Right.
2: Right. But yeah, a little bit you can check out Also, don't forget to go to www.fritzlives.com And check out his schedule of upcoming events here in the Columbus area And the release dates for his videos on the website and on creepycastle.com That's www.creepycastle, both creepy and castle with a K, dot com Where uh, new episodes will be airing on Saturday nights, right? 8 Eastern At 8 Eastern. All right. So without further ado, let's jump back into the second part of the interview. All right. We're going to jump a little bit away from comics. Um, How did, Mike, you first start getting into filmmaking?
3: Uh, I got into filmmaking when I was seven. I had a Fisher-Price PSX 2000 camcorder that shot black and white only on audio cassette tape. I would shoot little movies with that thing. And I just knew when I was five, I wanted to be an actor. And I always wanted to be an actor. When I was seven and I started shooting with the camera, I realized that I no longer want to be an actor. I want to be the guy that that controls what you see on the screen. <laughs> sure. that, pretty much like, you know. And so that's when I, I wanted to be a director before I knew what directing was. And so as I grew older and I learned from people that were friends of mine that were much older and into film as well, they said, Well what you want to be is a producer director. That's exactly those are the people responsible for what you see on screen, how you see it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um it's just what I've always wanted to be. But but when I used to watch Night Out Theater when I was a little, really little kid, I, I only got to see it. I started watching in about eighty seven. So I was six years old. And uh Fritz went off the air in ninety one when I was ten, so I only watched yeah, I watched the last five years of night out and but i I would always remember uh falling asleep during the movies and then waking up for fritz uh it was sort of like that was what was interesting to me and not the film right because it was so the effects were so trippy and just really wild, and there was nothing like it on t v at the time at all, and uh so, I mean, that was that was just for me, that's Fritz combined with, you know, just me watching movies over and over and over. Um, I just knew I loved film. And I mean, for me, like watching a film, you know, I'd always buy movies and my relatives and everybody would be like, why do you buy films? Like, you'll see them, you'll go to the movies and see them or you'll watch, you'll rent them from the store. But why do you want to see, why do you want to continue to watch them again? And I said, well, that's, and to me, it's studying it, it's just watching it over and over and over. If I can exactly. jump in
1: here just for a moment, one of the reasons that Night Owl was popular was that when I started doing it, I decided that everything I did, audio or visual, was going to relate some way to the film that was playing that night, namely, unlike other movie hosts where the movie host had his show during his spots and the movie. They were unrelated, but most of my stuff, I'd say 90% of it, when you see the stuff, almost all of it, audio, visual, music, commentary, does relate to the specific film. Sure. And and that's one of the things why I think it was kind of popular, because sometimes I'd make fun of it. Sometimes uh, if I had a movie like, say, Diary of Anna Frank, there's no laughs in that, but I would talk about what it was like in those days of Anna Frank and what the book was, she wrote, and give them like well, like I don't know. We do a lot of uh, we'll make some jokes, but we'll also give them facts about the movie, how it was produced, where it was shot, what some of the problems were, who liked who, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now I turn you back to Mike.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's and this is no disrespect to any other hosts out there or anything, but for me. You know, there are several hosts who it's like almost like skit humor, like an ongoing skit throughout, or they're in a crypt or a coffin or in a basement, but they're always Sorry. on a set. Even Elvira, which was the only other host I watched as a kid uh, on MTV, was always on a couch in a creepy lair, and I, I loved it. But what Fritz did was, you know, his whole, the character Fritz the Night Out being from Zontar and all these, like, things is that he can just kind of warp in and out of, the films and the world of that film and and that was unlike anything you see and so uh it just really stood out to me not just because i happened to live in columbus where he was on but just because like you know watching several hosts over the years um there was up all night with ron Shear on usa network there was joe bobs monster vision on tnt you know, I watched all those too, and later years. Yeah, Gilbert Godfrey did up all night. It was Ronde Sheer. Really? Yeah, it was Gilbert Godfrey I, I remember, would. I remember Gilbert Godfrey hosted. Well, uh, I liked him. He's oh, he's great. great. I like oh, him. he's still great. He's still but, great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but he hosted the Toxic Avenger marathon all night on USA, and I, I remember first seeing it that way. And uh, you know, so so the movies. I guess the more. Uh, late 80s early 90s hosted shows i like the movies more i didn't get into classic films till later in life um i could never appreciate them the way i do now it was sort of i'd sit down to watch it and and if it was black and white or something i'd be like oh yeah you know it's like yeah (laughs) and then then nowadays i'm like what the hell was i thinking it's so much better you know half those movies are so much better than the ones today but um but yeah, I've just always had this love for the '80s. So I think like that combined with watching Fritz and and renting movies over and over. Uh, I was always partial to horror because I was terrified of them as a kid. Yet my cousins kind of got me into it, and I actually blame Michael Jackson. Uh, thriller scared the hell out of me. Oh yeah, it was one of the things that I I couldn't, but I couldn't stop watching it. And every time I was like, I'm gonna keep my eyes open this time. And sure enough, I just jumped out. You know, at my grandmother's place, peeking out from the kitchen uh, until my cousin and I pretty much started learning the dance moves and made it fun. So we'd, like, do the dance moves, and the family would crack up, and that was the only way I could, like, watch it (laughs) all the way through, Um, because you, you know, took, took what you were afraid of and made it fun. And that's how I conquered roller coasters and everything else like that. So... So with Night Owl though as far as you know I shot music videos uh right out of high school I was touring with bands and shooting music videos and uh did that for quite a while in 2005 I made my first film and it was called The Funny Man and the lead actor uh, it was a drama though cuz I I, mean, I like directing dramas I love horror but I'll probably never make a horror film um, it's just too easy to screw up I mean they, when it's, when horror is bad it's really bad yeah. <laughs> Sometimes like, bad movies are good uh, I don't know, like for example Sci-Fi Channel, I can't, I can't watch anything <laughs> uh, Nothing I mean, everyone, this Sharknado Kick that was going on, I'm oh, like yeah. I just can't have fun with it, it's horrible uh, yeah, That's <laughs> not a good like, example
0: I think part 2 just <laughs> came out What's that? I think Sharknado 2 just came out this weekend uh, Or something like oh,
3: that Of course it did <laughs> <laughs> People keep watching no, but uh, but, yeah, so I think uh, you know, but but it was a drama, and um, we sent it around to festivals and everything. and and the biggest the biggest it got to was it played at Disneyland. And so we flew out to Disneyland and, oh, wow, to see the film. And it was just cool to have the like the first film I ever did, like show at Disneyland. So it was kind of like a a fun thing. And then, literally, like they said, what you know, what's your next project that you want to do now that this has kind of gone through the festival circuit and everything? And I said, I want to do a documentary on Fritz the Night Owl." And I was like, that's just like something I always wanted to do. And uh, so I started that. I started kind of research, found out he lived in Columbus, uh, had uh, my producer Dino Chapotis, who's a morning show host here in Columbus, had him sort of like link me to Fritz, like with the number and everything, and so Fritz called me and said, you know, let's meet, and so, I mean, we talked about it for a while, but that was the initial thing that Fritz kind of turned, or not turned down, but didn't really want to do, is he said, you know, a documentary or a biopic or something like that, there's always controversy. There's some sort of, like, drug habit or some big thing, but for Fritz, there's none of that. He never, you know— he, Right. I was a boring character. Yeah, he he never, he never, <laughs> he never slept with the wrong woman and got beat up, that I know of. Uh <laughs> never, never had the drug habit, never had the, you know, so there was no controversy, but, but he was afraid of that because when you take any kind of controversy out or anything, especially in the days of reality shows now, where people feed off of that, uh, when you take that out, is, it, is there still an interesting story? And for me, as a fan, I said, yes. And I mean, it, it's got to be. So we kind of started the documentary, but it never hit me that we could do Night Out Theater. And the right. whole reason I was making the documentary was to bring attention back toward this guy, have people intrigued by it, and get it popular enough to where hopefully Channel 10 would say, oh, my God, let's do Night Out Theater again. And so not even thinking we could do it ourselves until when Fritz's uh, jazz show ended in 2010, because the station just went from a jazz channel to light hit to the 70s and 80s, so Fritz was no longer needed. Um, that was the first time where really there would have been a career break in the Night Owl's career. So Fritz and I put our heads together, and he had read in Horror Hound magazine that there were these horror hosts on the Internet. And so we were like, well, let's do an Internet show. And then the movie theater thing just kind of came about because I started announcing the Internet series is coming back. or Night Owl Theater is coming back as an Internet series. And a local movie theater got word of it. They happened to be Fritz's, the Fritz fans and contacted me and said, would you like to do it in a movie theater? And that's when I was like, well, yeah. And so when I asked Fritz, he said, you know, Fritz said no. (laughs) And had a, had a damn good reason. He said, you know, when you're watching Night Out Theater back in the day, you're either on a date or you're snuggled up in the living room. You're, you're in your PJs drinking pop and eating Cheetos. The point is like, it, it's like an intimate setting, it's you and the television, right. and that's your connection. Will that same thing happen when you have a theater full of 300 people? And that's, that was a damn good question. And uh, I felt in my heart that, yes, it'll still work, but that was also me just wanting him to say yes. <laughs> so I'm in sure. a way, it was like, yes, it'll work, Fritz, but I was worried sick, because <laughs> it's like, what if it doesn't? And he was right, right, exactly. Well,
1: I, was, I was I was right in the effect that the original Night Owl Theater had a Fritz on camera open. Then there would be a there would be two breaks that were voiceover breaks. On screen, you would just see a cartoon owl, maybe a cartoon owl putting the cat out for the night or making a sandwich, and I would have the jazz background and I would talk, and that would be just over a thirty-five millimeter slide then there'd be more movie and commercials on another 35-millimeter slide voiceover, then a mid-break on camera, then two more voiceover, the Night Owl cartoon slides, and then an on-camera close. And we found out that the first couple of movies we did, the voiceover slide things sort of did get lost. And so we gradually made it to where now all of the breaks are me on camera. So that 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 was a, that was a difference. Where yeah. That that voiceover slide worked if it was you and your girlfriend watching at home right. or you right. and your older brother, your buddy watching at home so there was the two of you and the television and my voice in that slide and that worked. That worked
3: as I say for the for the home version, but in the theater it really did get lost. And one important thing about that um is that for me as a fan of the show I'm very OCD about I wanted to keep it exactly the same format which means that Fritz was only seen three times an episode so I wanted him to only be seen three times an episode so I mean the first three episodes we did which was Night of the Living Dead, Plan 9 from Outer Space and Santa Claus Conquers the Martians those were the exact format of the Channel 10 show. Now the problem with it was I started getting emails from fans saying we want more Fritz why is he only on screen Three times, and that's when I was just like, Well, crap, <laughs> you know, sure, it was, it was, sure. It was, but, but it makes perfect sense. But, um, so back in the day when the fans pretty much would send letters to him as Fritz the Night Out, and they, it, the Fritz the Night Owl is sort of created by fans in this respect, the fans also kind of molded the show into Fritz being on screen more, taking what they're saying and you know, giving them what they want. And now the show is, like, with our current season, which is only in movie theaters, uh, due to the right to the films, because they're much bigger films than what we were doing, um, the show is now, I think, better than we've ever been. And I think the reason is, Prince is on camera every time, and also the movies are better. And, it, the, and in a way, we took a step back and looked at it, and it's like, it's really almost a different show than right. the Channel 10 show. Like, it, it's <clears throat> still him, and he's hosting but uh everything is just you know it's format, evolved a little but, bit yeah the only thing that ties this show at all i think to the original show is there are still seven breaks and that's the thing is that in, that's the ocd i can never get out of my mind is like i never want to leave that there's seven but yet i'm pushing for five and Fritz <laughs> is pushing for five he wants to be <laughs> you know he's, he's getting, getting up there so <laughs> <laughs> He's getting up there, but uh, it's one of those things where you know, because starting next year in January, we're only going to be doing six new ones a year, okay. and every. But the good thing about this is we have done enough new episodes since July of of uh, of thirteen to basically we we want to show them again because I mean you know we opened with Jaws, which was a hell oh, wow. of an episode, but we put so much time into these breaks that we shoot and everything. That it's sort of like it was showing them once and then them going away, not being available on DVD, not being allowed to put them online. You know it's a really kind of disheartening thing because you we, we we want people to see them. We want them to live on. And that's the greatest thing about the show we're doing now is that whenever we choose to stop it, these episodes will always be popular due to the fact that these movies will always resonate. And so um, so i th- I think I think we made the right move. Uh, but I definitely think the fans, uh, and Fritz is gonna laugh at me for this, but I definitely think the fans want to see more Fritz, and that if we did bring it down to five breaks, they would notice. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's me pressuring him right now live. So <laughs>
1: we'll just see if the if the, if the if the if the body is up to it, it'll be it'll stay the same.
2: Now, my girlfriend and I went and checked out the Friday the 13th uh, airing of Friday the 13th in June. And just the name Fritz being on the screen caused an uproar of applause and uh, even people standing up out of their seats. It's it's amazing to see that. I, what I was getting at is social media, uh, the impact it's had on Night Owl Theater since you guys have come back. I mean, obviously, you didn't have anything like that during its original run, and you've said a little bit about how people's feedback has shaped the show into what it is now. How much of an impact has, say, like Twitter, Twitter, uh, Facebook, just the internet in general, been on the show.
3: I, I truly, I truly believe that that is the um, that is the reason the show is a success, and and being able to let people know that we're still doing the show, and that and that more importantly, Fritz is back. And one thing that continues to this day is every week on Facebook, we'll get new likes and new followers. Uh, Fritz alone has over six thousand likes on his page we have uh, almost 1500 for the show oh, wow. and, and it's one of the, it's one of these things where it's like every week i'll get somebody going oh i remember him or oh i used to watch fritz and they have no idea we're doing this even though we've i mean every media outlet in columbus has advertised this we've done national conventions we've uh, been mentioned uh, on sites like fear and everything else oh, and it's wow. just but it's funny that um no matter what you do to get the word out, there's always people that did not see that word. And so I think sure. social media is so important for that reason of, like, it, it alerts people we're still here. And, I mean, we have people come. There's a guy that drove his motorcycle from Atlanta, Georgia, straight to the show to get an autograph and go right back to Atlanta the same night. Wow.
1: And on the other hand, there are still people who ask, I didn't know he was still alive. Then there's
2: that. <laughs> How's that make you feel, Fritz?
1: Well, I, I tell people I'm an icon like the Ohio Pen, except they haven't torn me down yet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, very uh, nice. It, it's wild, but I but I do. And think, they'll, you know, they'll ask, "Am I the real one?" Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the second Which, incarnation.
3: Yeah. Well, I always find it really funny, and one of the things that cracks me up, and again, I'm not ripping on any fans or anything, but one of the things that cracks me up is I'll, I'll post an announcement like this Saturday, you know, our 38th episode's premiering or whatever, and I'll literally give details like time, place, Fritz will be there, you know, all, all of these things, and literally in the comment below that post, that actual post will be, boy, I wish that show was still around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
3: and, and I, don't, I don't know if they mean, and they'll live in Columbus, so I mean, like, I don't know if they mean I wish it was on TV because there's no way in hell I'm going just going out of my house. Right. <laughs> Whether it's like, but it always <laughs> cracks me up because I and then and then my response, like in the nicest way possible, is I'll follow it up with, "That's great that you that you wish that because it is and and here are the details." <laughs> like, right. You know, just, like, what do you, so sometimes it's so it's so funny and then we have people that ask me they're like, "Well, you're just you know Fritz is there live and he introduces the movie." So how come you guys are nominated for an Emmy? And so I think now that you've seen Friday the 13th, you've been to one of these things.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. I guess you as a fan outside of the staff of the show, what is your opinion on the marketing we do for the show? Is it crystal clear to you guys there what this show is? Or when you came to the show, were you surprised because you weren't expecting that? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. I first heard of uh, Fritz through my girlfriend. She's about 4 years older than I am and she grew up with Fritz and she was the one to first hear about it. I believe through a uh, another friend of hers, but she kind of mentioned it to me and uh, told me this guy, you know, hosts these movies and wasn't a whole lot of detail to it. I kind of got online at that point, did some research, found out exactly what it was about from uh, the website and uh, Facebook, and that's what yeah. drew me in. So, yeah, I, I definitely think it's crystal clear. I, I had an idea of what to expect when I went and was pleasantly surprised when I got there because it was so much more than I was imagining on the way there.
1: That's, that's good to hear. <laughs> I, sh- I should mention also that uh, the uh, all of the TV stations couple of the radio stations, all of the newspapers, The Dispatch, the other paper when it existed, uh, 614 Magazine, some of the other local magazines, all have given us enormous Oh, Channel 28 or Channel 6 she had did. us on their morning news shows a number of times, and they've had interviews oh, wow. on WOSU TV and Channel 10 and Channel 4. Well, as I say, all of the TV stations have given us enormous coverage, as have the, the newspapers and the, the various local ma- magazines. The, that 614 magazine. Yeah, that's oh, great. Uh, uh, I forget what—they've had me in there twice, and uh, just just marvelous. So, so we've gotten an awful lot of good press, and it, and it does—so it does surprise me when People say, you know, we thought you were dead or didn't realize. I've
3: never heard of that.
1: (laughs) Didn't realize. And then I think what
3: it has to do is now in this social, which you mentioned social media, like the attention spans are very like here and now. Like if it appears at the top of my feed, I'll read it, that kind of thing. Whereas like what I do is nightly I'll get on Facebook and I'll scroll all the way down my wall just to kind of look for until I see what I saw yesterday. So, Mm -hmm. it's sort of like a thing just to kind of be updated on everything. But I think that attention spans are just so hard now to focus. I think what happens is we get coverage, and for that week, people may hear about it or they may even see it, but then it's out of their minds. So that's why we thank people like you guys, because it's like the, the more often we are covered, especially by you guys who have actually seen the show. Uh, and been there, it, it really helps us because it's sort of like that's all we're trying to do is spread the word. And then, I mean, if people don't like the show or they don't want to come, perfectly fine. It's just one of those things where I just want everyone to be aware of it. Exactly. And that's the, uh, you know, that you have the option to come relive kind of what times were. But the show is in no me it's by no means, I don't believe the show is modernized. However, I don't feel that it's dated. I feel that we've, I feel that this version of the show is is like twenty first century. Yeah, if Fritz would have never left the airwaves in ninety one, yeah. what would the show be had it still been on today? That's, it was, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty much like what I what my focus was to try to do it. Well, I think,
1: well I think one of the, one of the things that was proof that we're doing things right is winning the Emmy uh, last year. And the thing about winning an Emmy, why it's so good, is that uh, it's people in the business who decide, is it good or not? It's not like it's not like a popularity contest. Or right. someone who already knew oh, who yeah. you were. Know, oh, um, So these are the, the people that vote on the Emmys. Normally, what Columbus will say to say, like Seattle, they'll say, look, you send us your Emmy nominees, and we'll judge them. And we'll send you our so the people in Seattle judge Columbus, and we judge Seattle. And there's like nobody in Seattle knows any of us from Indianapolis or right. Cincinnati or Dayton or you know with the Central Ohio or with the Ohio Indiana.
3: So they're not fans of the show. That's the cool yeah, thing. They, they have no. They, like, have no they
1: have no idea as to who we are, but there are people in the business that know what's good television and what's not good TV. Whereas that's, like a that's popularity. Awesome your popularity contest is uh, how big is your family and how many friends do you have
3: yeah exactly yeah right. so it's it's cool i mean i mean this is my childhood dream of you know having a pretend tv station and being able to entertain people that show up and it's just kind of it the, the coolest the coolest thing about this for me personally is people that go home from a show and tell their friends and they will bring people who have never heard of Fritz the Night. I have no idea what the show is. May not have even been alive in the '80s. But they will show up to this show, and they'll have a blast. And they say it's like something they've never seen before. And that's the cool thing: is when people not only liked it, but went home and said, "You got to come with me next month." Or the people, you know.
1: the people who sure. watched it when they were teenagers or young college people, who then bring their kids to the show to say well this is what your old man was watching and your mom and I were watching when uh, we were going together this is what because we still have people who ask why do you play the star spangled banner at the end and they don't realize that in the old days of television uh, when night owl theater or the station in general went off they went off with the star spangled banner and then there's like 4 hours or 5 hours 6 hours of static before right. six o'clock in the morning comes and the station signs back on. The kids today, 24-7 television is just a fact of life. Right. Can you imagine what would happen if the stations were still signing off after the late night movie <laughs> or after the <laughs> 11 o'clock noon?
3: People would think it was War of the Worlds. The TV doesn't work anymore What's going on with my set? (laughs) We do get the
1: question As to to how nice it is That we play the Star Spangled Banner At the end and they don't realize That that's the way all of the stations Signed off back in the 50s And 60s and on into the 70s
3: And it's kind of wild Like uh, like, Because I throw that on at the end Just to be like oh this will be a nod For people that get it But what's really wild to me is uh people will and i ne- i never even thought to do this is that that will come on and i'll see people stand up remove their hats and put their hand on their heart no it's, kidding it, it's the strangest thing i mean no, i want to say it's strange but for me i'm not like mr you know yeah america like i'm not politically right <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> that's not why i put it on there but yet it is pretty cool to see that you know to see that you know it's like oh wow these people are like they're taking it really seriously. <laughs> right. Like, well, it's uh, it's a
2: way they can relate to it, even if they uh, don't understand what it's there for, you know?
3: Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And we do mention from time to time that this is what it was like to watch a movie on commercial television back in 1968 or 1974, because uh, that is where you have the host and then the movie, and then the host with commercials, and then more movie, and then the host with commercials, more movie, and uh, they're just not used to having. Uh, movie hosts are practically non-existent now. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, so it it is um, a different a different format, but it is like television was in the old days when you had to stand up and walk to the television set and manually change the channel oh, or adjust the rabbit ears or adjust the focus or the fine-tuning or the color. What was it, contrast? or was one of those. Contrast, yeah. Contrast and horizontal and vertical.
3: Horizontal, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you had to get out of the chair to change the channel. And,
3: and, then, and that's one aspect of the show, too, is that I think a lot of people in their heads are like, okay, Fritz is hosting movies the two things that i always want to stress but i don't think people pick up on until they actually come is that well one he's not doing it live it's it's actually like it's just like the old show where like he is on the screen as part of the episode two the fact that he's on more often than just here's this movie here you go so the sure. screening sure. The, so it actually has commercial breaks so it's not like fritz on cable it's commercial break spritz on network tv which is why we created the channel z which is my fake uh tv station that i created as to be the network that this is on Um, okay i saw
2: that i wasn't sure if that was real or not but yeah you just made that up that's the name of your station
3: it's it's totally it's totally fake wntl is w because all the stations start with that ntl is never the luck which is the production company that is the executive producer, the guy, the money guy for our show. That's his company. So okay. when, I made, when I made up the call letters, that's his shout out is NTL. So WNTL, Channel Z. And Channel Z comes from like the old 50s B movies. Uh, you know, what's happening on Channel Z? Or let's turn into, you know, and like Rob Zombie even has a song called What Lurks on Channel Z. It's, it's, uh, it's always. It, for me channel Z has always been the thing in my head that's like, you know, that just sounds like an old T V station. Right, and, and, and it ties in with the
1: occasionally I would reference the fact that I came from the planet Zontar.
3: Right, Z for Zontar. Z for Zontar. Yeah. Zontar. Oh, I see. That was very clever. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean that's that's our end joke that most people you know and we used to be like the shows for the first two seasons, the show used to start with Our executive producer's voice saying, You're watching Channel Z, Night Owl Theater is next. And I'd have him come in on the bumpers when we returned from commercials saying, And now return to Night Owl Theater. And it's literally like, you know, set up that way. Whereas with the new season, I kept the Z as a holdover that I just, I always, I never want to drop the Z, but instead of saying WNTL, the Z kind of comes out of space as a tribute to uh, the HBO logo I grew up with and love so much and uh and then just feature presentation, so yeah,
2: very cool. getting the insider story yeah <laughs> <laughs> a new episode of uh, Night owl theater. what's the process to getting that made? How long does it take to get an episode ready to be put in the theater?
3: That's a good question uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this as a how long would it take if we didn't have days where we just didn't work? And, and I guess what I mean by that is like. <laughs> I'll choose movies ahead of time. Like Fritz, the, the coolest thing about this show for me is I'm geeking out to be even working with Fritz to this day, but I'm really geeking out of the fact that he loves hosting and lets me pick the films, which is, as a fan, my God. Like, to see right. my childhood hero hosting movies I love, just that it's like I won the lottery. It just doesn't come with millions of dollars. <laughs> but uh,
2: Something so, better.
3: So, so I'll pick a film, and... I'll put breaks in it where the commercials are gonna go. Usually I take the run time of the film, I divide it by six, uh, and I look for a spot to go to break around that interval time, to where it doesn't just cut out, but actually like goes to break at a time where it's fitting for a commercial, so you're not like in mid-scene or mid-dialogue. And I'll put 30 seconds of black where the commercials are gonna be, um, and then I'll give that to Fritz, who will watch it and know where we're going to commercial, so he can kind of do his trivia and make his notes. Well, this current season, we have uh, a team, like a writing team, of three people that we meet and we watch this version of the film where I'll put the blackouts in. And as we sit around as a team and watch the film, we'll pause it during the blackouts, and I'll say, uh, did anyone see anything that we could do with Fritz in that last section of the movie, because a lot of times we try to give you the break, Fritz being in some kind of scene that you just saw within the last 20 minutes. So it sort of feels like he's with you in this current part of the movie, but instead of interrupting the film, he separately does his segments. We have a really big rule with we never want to step on the film, we don't want a mystery science theater, it. we don't want to alter it in any way, we want you to see the true uncut film but we'll do our thing when we go to break. And so that's the, uh, so we'll discuss kind of, well, Fritz could pop out of this guy or he could come up behind this couch or he can, you know, float out of this flower pot. So so what we'll do is we'll decide like, okay, this is what we want Fritz to do. And then uh, we'll do that for an entire film. So we'll come up with all seven breaks and then we'll assign a writer, somebody who's super enthusiastic about this particular movie, knows a lot about it and wants it. Once we assign the writer, he goes and takes about a week to write the script for Fritz. Now, when I say write a script for Fritz, it may as well just be bullet points. You know, uh, we put it in script form, but it's basically just doing the research and the legwork for Fritz so that he can focus on his performance and his posting. So it, it just makes things a little bit easier Uh, on him as well as you know makes the flow of the show go faster so they'll come back they'll give me a script I'll take that to Fritz I'll tell him what effects we're doing where he's gonna pop up what's gonna be happening and then I'll give him the script and then he then sits with it for about he can do it in as quick as three days but he'll sit with it I like him sit with it for about a week and kinda watch the film on his own alter the script however way he needs to to make it more Fritz-like even though we, we, we sort of know the things he likes to say and the way he says them, but I always like him to sort of like, I tell him, you know, don't be married to any of these. Do change it, do whatever you wanna do, but just, this is right. the guy, basically. Uh, he then, when he's ready, he'll call me and say, okay, I got my cards written, and uh, we'll book the shoot, which is usually on Friday nights, and uh, we go into the studio, we shoot. Once we're wrapped, we take that footage, and I immediately go to my VFX guy's house We import the footage, pick the takes we want that we circled at the shoot, and he'll get to work. And he takes about a week to uh, do the effects. Um, And then when he's done, I get them from him. But while he's working on the effects, I'm at home picking TV commercials out that I'm going to put in the breaks and then uh, kind of putting the episode together, making the opening titles and all that until I'm ready just to drop in his finished segments, and we've got a show. So from start to finish... We could safely do an episode if we were constantly working two weeks. Oh, uh, and if, we were, and if we were on a network getting real TV money, like you know, being paid as this was our only job, one week for an episode. Oh, wow! So it's a uh, pretty fun.
1: I should mention that I never see the finished product until the night it screens at the theater because, um. Unlike a Channel 10, where I would in, where I could see myself being integrated with the special effect I had created, and I was able to interact with whatever I had to do because I could see it and I w- we would do the special effects and my live performance at the same time, now I do everything in front of a green screen and I don't see the finished product that uh, Mike and Ryan have put together until actually the night of the... Uh, night of the showing, and I'm always amazed at what a great job they do. I grovel in awe at their show. (laughs) (laughs) We
3: we definitely work right up to the last minute, and a lot of people are like, you know, it's your 39th episode. Aren't you prepared by now? But for me, it's like, if we had all the time in the world, we'd still work up to the last second. And I think the reason why is because we get the episodes to where they need to be. And our effects guy is awesome because he'll be done with the effect and he makes it exactly the way I want it and exactly the way we talked about. But then if he thinks he can make something better, and I don't mean change it, but I mean just little touches that, oh, maybe I'll work more on the shading of Fritz's forehead. I mean, literally stuff like that. He'll do it right up until, I always tell him I just need the effects two days before air because when he gets those final ones to me, you know, I'll, I'll swap them out or whatever. And, and I'll, I'll do all the exports and the rendering and that takes time. And so I think that, you know, for the final show, it, it's literally, it, it's nerve wracking for us because it's, it's Fritz's first time seeing it. So, I mean, if we do something that the boss doesn't like, we won't know until the it screams to the masses. <laughs> it, 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 it has that hasn't happened
1: yet. I as I say I'm really always just astounded and so pleased with what they do. And I must say the actual taping of it is probably the shortest yeah. version version of the work. That is my performance is is usually we do a show, tape it in what, about three hours. Yeah. Wow. or less yep. and that includes all, all the different setups we've got to do all the different lighting we've got to do for each take all of the different uh, camera work and we do as I say, that's probably the actual production of the performance in the in the studio is probably the shortest amount yeah. of time we spend on any of the aspects
3: and it's hard it's hard for me as a director to you know I because Fritz is, 110 percent professional back in the day you know he did everything he was
1: show off sober,
3: <laughs> <means he's> sober. <laughs> trust me i've tried to get him drunk into a taping he's not having it <laughs> but uh but no but back in the day you know he would he would do most of the stuff live or you know, know live to tape. meaning like you know he'd he'd do a take and and that was it and i you know now we ask We ask quite a lot of them now, and he still nails things in one take 90% of the time, but a lot of the take after take is on our technical end. Uh, Some of the shots were like if we do a head replacement. For example, on Friday the 13th, there's this really funny bit where Kevin Bacon is having sex with uh, Marcy, and the the camera pans up, and the lightning crashes, and instead of Ned's dead body, it's Fritz, and Fritz (laughs) has his uh, throat slit, and he's laying there and and makes the joke about now there are two stiffs in this room (laughs) which is uh which is one of the funniest things for me of that episode but to do that you know fritz's head is supposed to be a severed head so we we have no problem masking out ned's head and putting fritz in there but the problem is when he's when he's doing his performance you know he's always free to sort of like shrug his shoulders shake his hands you know do whatever he wants to do for shots like that, you know, I I always tell him, we need you to hold very still. And the thing that kills me every time I ask him that is, this guy's been doing this for beyond years of me being on this earth, yet it's like finding that ground of like, okay, he needs to hold still for the effect, but at what point do we lose his performance in that? Because you're Mm -hmm. asking this guy to be natural, yet stiff, and so there, there is a very big challenge of how much is too much, uh, and we need to make sure we never do things for the effect. It's got to be because the show, we got to make the show good and not just we want to play, you know? So so there's a lot of elements to take into consideration of, like, I still want him to do a good job, and I, I can't he can't do a great job if I tie his hands. So I right. mean, that's the big thing is finding that middle, you know. And being half Sicilian,
1: 98% of my verbalization is with my hands.
2: (laughs) 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 It's awesome to see that, uh, Fritz, you actually trust Mike to put it in the theater without seeing it first. I mean, it just shows you guys have a great working relationship, and the work you guys make together is fantastic.
1: Had he not not been doing well, we wouldn't have the Emmy from... uh, Last year, which was the first year we submitted, uh, what what it is we do. So, sure. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm very thrilled with what they do, and uh, as I say, the, the the performing part is actually the least part of the work that goes into the show.
2: Now, who all is involved with this project other than uh, Fritz and Mike?
3: Well, the um, uh, chain of command, as it were, <laughs> in terms of stuff, <laughs> um, Basically, uh, Fritz and I are the creators of this version of the show, Um, and we our executive producer, Dino Chapotis, is actually—he's at the top because he's the money guy. And if we uh, lose money, we're losing his money. So he's a good man, and we don't want to do that to him. And he's always been a very dear friend of mine for years. So um, so he kind of—but he does not dictate at all. Like, literally, we have full control. Because of the fact that he's just happy that after four years it's still alive, so uh, so he, he and in he, the black and in the black, <laughs> <laughs> so, so so he takes he takes the backseat a lot and, and and gives me a lot, which is a very cool thing for me to have his full support. Um, so Fritz and I, uh, and then just under me would be Ryan Blaza, who is our VFX. I mean, he does all the VFX, so he's with me during the planning, and and him and I work. Uh, I work actually closer with Ryan than I do with Fritz, because really. we just spend so much time together geeking out completely. I mean, we live and breathe night out. It's amazing to just have, I always say that we're like kids in the treehouse. We're like the monster squad, kind of putting this stuff together. And it's it's just uh, been, a, been a real pleasure. So then we have Gil Whitney uh, who shoots every shoot. So he shoots Fritz against Green. He lights the shots for us. We give him the footage ahead of time and we say, And Gil is also planning at the planning meetings, the whole team pretty much is, but Gil can look at a shot and say, okay, you want to have Fritz's severed head laying in that bed and the lightning's crashing outside, how are we going to replicate this on set? Well, we'll give him the footage ahead of time so he can have about a week to kind of pre-light things and know exactly how to be set up when we get in there to to the studio. Um, And then the rest of the guys on staff are just uh, Vidis Barzdukas, who is a writer, um, he's also a writer on an internet series called Aiden 5, which has got, uh, had some pretty good press. Um, but he is one of her writers. Mark A. Miller is another writer who is uh, an older gentleman that is a retired English teacher, and he also wrote the bios on Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing and actually spent time with them at their homes. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So, <clears throat> Has two or three hardcover books out. Yeah,
1: on on them, on the Hammer Film things, on the Hammer Film horror series, along along with a lot the live interviews with Christopher Lee and uh, Peter Cushing.
3: Yeah, so it's it's so Vittas is a younger guy, Mark's an older gentleman, and then I write as well. And so uh, between the three of us, we pretty much decide who's going to take what episode. And we all know how to write for Fritz, oh, okay. um, and then Rome Maynard. Well, yeah, and and Rome Maynard is the the another guy who created the Night Owl logo, the newer one with the uh, the black the black and white kind of Batmanish looking logo. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then there's because the, the yellow logo, the one that looks like the yellow moon, that was created by Fritz uh, in 1988, and um, but Rome created like a version of that. That's the the slick you know white white logo. Um, and Rome is also co-producer with me on this new Legacy series because I, I look to Rome as the Fritz expert. That man watched Fritz longer than I did and uh, kind of consulted with me on things uh, as the show has gone on. And he's written for Fritz before, and uh, so Rome will step in to write every now and then. But Rome, uh, he and I are the are the sole people behind the Legacy series, which is the you know the gathering of the channel ten footage the restor- restoration of it and kind of putting that package Well, you and in. he designed the covers for the second season and he did he uh yeah in our second season we kind of had a shout back to Dave Wagstaff who was the channel guy, the channel ten guy that would do the original art cards that you'd see that fritz would talk over during the breaks okay. and uh, and so we kind of Rome's always been a fan of his and so Rome did like a a shout back to that for the interstitials for season two. So it's, it's a, it's a nice team about seven people and, and every everyone's doing it just for fun. I mean, this is something that for the love of it, (laughs) it's for the love of it. And I can't tell you how this isn't the first original team, but there are a lot of people um, that this is the team where I feel it's, it's the powerhouse. Uh, Everyone that's worked with us, uh, there were only a few other people before these guys, but, uh, I mean, they, this team just feels like we're just all on the same page. We're finishing each other's sentences. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, you guys all have to have a good chemistry because the final result wouldn't be coming out as good as it is. Yeah.
3: Well, also the also the
1: back lot uh, when we were shooting there was— uh, they they also did A plus production and yeah. camera work.
3: Yeah, the Backlot. A very good friend of mine, Wayne Sells, uh, was part owner of a, of a company called the Backlot that produced us all the way up to the New Year and uh, uh, and we used their studio. We're now at Production Partners Media. We're at a different studio, <coughs> but uh, with a different DP. But uh, Wayne Sells, who was our DP before Gil Whitney, Wayne is a great guy. Uh, he just he, he literally got so much work that, uh, his schedule, I mean, he's traveling all over the U.S. shooting really big things, and so that that uh, that's the only reason he's not shooting NIDO, otherwise he'd still be doing it. He loves it. Um, and then Howard Newstate, who shot one of our episodes in season one, is actually working with the Cedar Fair Company, Kings Island, Cedar Point, and all that, and he's in, right. he's a, he's in charge of their, if you go to the park, there's something called Fun TV. And he's the head guy. He is in charge of that, and that's all over the U.S. at all the Cedar Fair parks. Uh, okay. all, he controls he controls the programming and everything right from Kings Island. So well, was, who was, the, who was the Before Ryan was um, um before Ryan, Tobias Rediger, who uh, his company is called Rave Creates, and uh, he Rave is is incredible with their effects. So, uh, Tobias actually did our effects all the way up into uh through Halloween and then starting with back to the future is when Ryan started so Ryan just started last November and uh and Ryan's just to but Tobias has a ton of talent, and he's very very busy. Ryan's more like me where he just he's he has that talent but he just looks for that what can I do to you know, he just lives and breathes it and he studies it and perfects it and has the time to actually, you know, really get it to where it needs to be. So uh, it's just he's just incredible. So a lot of fun Very to have cool. him.
2: So for people outside the Columbus area who can't uh, drive down to Studio 35 and check out a showing, can you again tell them exactly how they can check out Night Out Theater, where they can download the episodes or catch live streams?
3: Absolutely. Our first two seasons, they can always watch. Um, they can download those on com, which is the site. He said at the top of the program, uh, "Fritz Lives" is where they can buy uh, posters from our current episodes, uh, created by Matt Harris, who is our artist, uh, who is just an incredible talent. Um, yeah, and they are he, beautiful posters. Yeah, the the posters he those are all available online. Our first two seasons are on DVD. Our second season, uh, the last two episodes, still have to be released, and then. Uh, uh, Oh, yeah. T-shirts are on uh, the website. We have a new T-shirt coming out very soon. Uh, This one will actually have Fritz's face on it because that's the one thing we keep getting is requests for, you know, I love your shirts. I love the logo, but is there a shirt with Fritz? And so that's what we will uh, be bringing out next. Um, So they can get our first two seasons. The, The only thing that's hard about what we've kind of traded for this new season is that in doing movies like Jaws and Blade Runner and The Shining and Halloween um, and Raiders of the Lost Ark and all these movies, <laughs> we, we cannot we cannot offer them for for viewing on DVD or the internet at all uh, because we have limited rights. We buy our rights to the films for a week, and so. You pay a flat fee, you can show it that week, and then every time we, we re-show it or anything, we have to do that again. And so... Um, and in theaters only. And, and in theaters only. And so that's the hard thing is it's... it's We encourage people to travel. I know that's asking a lot, but if you remember Fritz and you're out of state, if you're close enough to where it's like, you know, hour and a half, two hours, you know, I we definitely, I feel it's... It's worth traveling for. We have people that travel much further. But if you were out of state and you grew up with Fritz, uh, when you come back and visit relatives or when you, if you get back here at all, hopefully it'll still be uh, alive and kick in at uh, Studio 35. So we encourage people to come. But uh, unfortunately, we can talk till we're blue in the face about our new episodes and how great <laughs> they are, but it's, they're going to have to take your word for it. <laughs>
2: Now, you had mentioned um, a couple times about how limited you were with the rights to uh, the movies you're going to be using in season three, like uh, Friday the 13th or uh, Jaws or any of those. Right. Now, is that something you guys are working on? <clears throat> like, are those rights that you are in the future hoping to obtain or is that something that's out of the no, question?
3: Um, no, they would definitely be way too expensive. Um, OK. And then that's the only thing that's yeah, it's rough because it's it's. Had we not, like, the problem is the Public Domain movies, there's only so many of them, and our first two seasons are pretty much the cream of the crop of those. Right. If we were to do a third season of Public Domain, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel at that point. <laughs>
2: but,
3: uh, and this was sort of a decision that that I made that I was hoping everybody would follow, and that's the fact that in order for this show to continue, uh, you know, we, we would need to have better films, uh, because it's just... You, you know, it, it was a trade-off, but uh, we we now the good thing about our newest seasons, this could show anywhere in the U.S. Uh, it has to be at a movie theater. So if there are fans out there, if if somebody lives in Los Angeles, California, and they want to show this, they can show it. They just have right. to have their they have to have their theater book the featured film. So if they want to show Alien, which is our newest episode, we're going to premiere in July. Um, they would have to book a screening of Alien, and then we would send them a disc of our episode. So it, that, that's what I mean by—so it. it's still available to show. It's just fans will have to bring it to their theaters. We would have to have a town representative for that specific city, but essentially it can still show anywhere. And then uh, we, can, we can work something out to where, you know, we, we send the disc to them, and then we have our representative for that city. So it's just a, a way of doing it, but it's a little different from being able to broadcast it on the Internet.
2: But still very cool. It's, the live experience is uh, phenomenal. I loved it. I can't wait to see more.
3: I appreciate that. And one, and one big you. thing, uh, this just happened. In fact, Fritz is finding out about this right now, but I am allowed to talk about it, so I do want to say it. Your podcast will be the first place we've announced it. We haven't even done it online yet. But at Horror Hound Weekend, which is coming up in Indianapolis, September 5th through 7th, we have just been told, uh, official word, that we are screening our version of Trick or Treat with the cast of the film. Uh, no kidding. Pre-united. Wow. So uh, they're going to have a Trick or Treat cast reunion, and our our version of that film is going to show at the convention. So
2: we might Uh, be going on a road trip
3: yeah (laughs) which is a big deal for us so yeah
2: understandably how much fun now you also mentioned earlier the legacy series is coming out volume one yes now you mentioned this is going to be on creepycastle.com
3: yeah uh, www.creepycastle.com creepy with a k castle with a k otherwise it's spelled normally um so this is a series that, you know what it is, uh, we talked about earlier, but the release format of this show is going to be uh, July 5th is the first night. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it will play, it will premiere, and then there will be a double feature of Night Owl Theater. Uh, this, this Saturday will be the Terror and Dementia 13, so you'll see Fritz host both of those, and then the episode one of the Legacy series will repeat right after that. So basically, uh, it'll be the Legacy Series at 8, 8.30, a double feature of Fritz, and then the Legacy Series again, same episode, just the second showing. Once that night is over, so once Saturday, July 5th ends, in our screening room on FritzLives.com, you will be able to go there and the, click the screening room link and watch that episode at any time you want. Just It's free. Just Very hit cool. play, and you'll be able to watch it. The following Tuesday, which at this point would be July 6th, 7th, 8th, so July 8th, that episode will be available to download digitally from our digital download store. Then the following Saturday, episode 2 will premiere at 8 p.m. on Creepy Castle. No double feature afterward, but just basically the first of the month, you can always see a Night out double feature. But starting this Saturday, every Saturday night at 8, will be another episode of the Legacy series. So they'll premiere oh. on Creepy Castle. The following Tuesday, they'll be in our digital store. And at the end of the month, after four episodes have run, there will be a DVD of those four episodes released, if that makes sense. If that's not the yes. confusing.
2: <laughs> no, not at all. I'm I giddy. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
2: that's I got format.
3: plans
0: every Saturday night.
3: Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Well, exactly. And the great thing about Creepy Castle that I love is that they're a 24-hour online horror host network that's free to watch at any time. And the big thing about them is they have a chat window. Mm-hmm. They, some people like this, some people don't, but they have a chat window next to the screen when you're watching that when you log in, you can comment and chat with people throughout the broadcast. So it's oh, really? very active because Fritz and I are always on there. The night they do our Night Owl Double Features, Fritz and I are in that chat room talking. So it's like the whole time we're kind of with you throughout and can answer questions or just joke about things or whatever people want to talk about. And it's a really neat experience. It kind of feels like we're all in, in one giant clubhouse.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know? I thought last night that I was going to be able to watch cause I, I thought I had my dates mixed up and I saw it was eight thirty, So I jumped on there and they were talking about it. So I was talking to the, I think the host of it. So well, he was not, giving a yeah, the rundown of the same thing.
3: Yeah, there's Jack and Dale. Jack and Dale are the two hosts, and both of them yep. are really good guys. Uh, Dale's actually in Cleveland, Ohio, and Jack is in New Jersey. So the station's based out of New Jersey. Well, we're going to put up all the
2: links and all the information on our website to link everyone your guys's direction so no one misses out.
3: I appreciate you putting the links up and everything. The, bi- the big thing we want to direct people to is FritzLives.com because the greatest thing about Fritz Lives is they can also purchase tickets in advance to our screenings on that website Oh really? Oh, yeah. yeah I saw that sold last sold night all. too yeah. A lot of times
1: we are <laughs> sold out and people are turned away
3: Yeah and a lot of times we do sell out and people are turned away so if they buy tickets ahead of time uh, they're on a list, a master list at the counter and they get in regardless and so if they're at the okay. back of the line and it's sell out they know to allot that many seats for the people that are you know pre-orders or whatever uh, but the greatest thing about linking to that Fritz FritzLiv site is that from there, they can click on the F and go to Facebook, the little Facebook logo, and sure. go to our Twitter. They can go to get tickets for the show, to our online digital store, to our physical store, to our screening room, news updates. I mean, that... And it wasn't always like that. We just revamped that site about a month or two ago, and it's now it's the ultimate Night Owl hub for everything. So, Yeah.
2: Very cool. I want to take this opportunity to thank the both of you for joining us today. It's been surreal talking comics and night owl theater with both yeah. of you.
0: <laughs> thank you.
1: Well, as, as Terry Garson and Young Frankenstein, the feeling is mutual.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank my recording you. equipment loves your voice, Fritz. I got to say.
1: Okay. When you when you when you when you win the lottery, buy a radio and TV station, and I'll go to work for you. I will be sure to do that.
2: (laughs) Thanks again so much for being on the show, guys.
3: No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
2: All right. And that was our interview with Fritz the Night Owl and Mike McGrainer. We hope you all really enjoyed this interview as much as we did. We had a blast. Good time. Yeah, it really was. And, uh, you know, talking... Comics on top of uh, the show was an added uh, bonus. Had to fair. have been
0: four long boxes that so he had. At least four long boxes. That yeah. French was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Can
2: you imagine being a fly on the
0: wall while they're going through all those comics? No. How amazing it would be! Oh, here's Amazing Fantasies number fifteen. Too bad we didn't what? know him earlier. He could have donated them to us. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Well, we want to take this opportunity to once again thank uh, Fritz the Night Owl and Mike McGrainer for joining us on these last two episodes. It's just been a blast. Remember, you can go to www.fritzlives.com and check out uh, his schedule of upcoming events in the Columbus area and even outside. He's going to be going to some cons. They, they mentioned. Yeah.
0: Yep. They're doing a little bit more now.
2: And you can jump over to our website, www.candairpodcast.com, where we're going to have links to uh, not only the, uh, FritzLives.com, but to Creepy Castle and any about anything else Fritz-related. Yeah, we're going to have a too. way to get to it for you people. So, <laughs> uh, so, we're your hub to Fritz. <laughs> we are your Fritz hub. Uh, did you guys have anything else?
0: No, I'm good for this week. I'm good.
2: Jeffrey, you're good? All right, so until next week, I am Jeremy Colley, Jack Doherty, Jeff Holcomb, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, Thanks, guys.
0: What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes?